Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Evidently, or it is evident that when the Messiah was cut off, and then to interpret the expression not for himself, that is, if they interpret it and have nothing, well, we certainly know that when the Lord died, that he had something, uh, he purchased something when he died. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. There's no, uh, uh, now he's not talking about that. If that's the proper meaning, proper interpretation of the words and shall have nothing, it certainly cannot refer to redemption. It has no reference whatsoever to salvation. See? Uh, What's that now, brother? Thing don't have no reference to that. This uh, this expression, and not for himself, that is, and have nothing. He was cut off, see? All right? He was cut off out of the land of the living. Uh, he was crucified. But you cannot say, it's not true if you say, well, he, he didn't have, he didn't get what he bought, see? He didn't get what he paid for, because he did. You can't interpret this spiritually in the spiritual, uh, in uh, what he did on the cross. In other words... If you uh, outwardly, uh, or from a natural standpoint, you look, a man looks at the cross, and he sees the greatest crime that's ever been committed. For they crucified one that was without sin, who did no sin, who wronged no one. See, who, uh, and yet they 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 crucified. But when we look at it from a spiritual standpoint, when the inner man looks upon the cross, he sees that Christ perfectly submitted and was obeying perfectly, even unto death. See, he had come for that purpose, see, to die. And he was obedient unto death. All right? And the outward man looks upon the cross and he says, why, that's the greatest miscarriage of justice that's ever done. Yet when we, who, uh, when you study the Bible to understand the meaning of the Lord's death, you see that the overruling hand of God was in the crucifixion. You see, it was God that smote him. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. It was the Lord that put him to shame. It was the Lord that laid on him the iniquity of us all, see? Alright? Uh, and, and, and to look at it from an outward standpoint, from a human standpoint, from uh, uh, the way the world looks at it, why, it was a tragedy. Because they put to death a, a man that was going all up and down Jerusalem, healing the sick, uh, casting out demons, stealing the wind, feeding multitudes, and uh, raising the dead. Why, uh, to have a man like that in your territory, man, I'd be proud, wouldn't you? If there was a man around here that could heal the, every sick man that was brought unto him, every one that was brought to him, he healed. And they said, well, now, to kill a man like that, that's a tragedy. But now, when we look at it uh, from the spiritual standpoint, why, it's the greatest triumph that history knows anything about. Why? Because 
It was through his death. By his death, see, there is victory over death. That's when he conquered death. It is finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. So we know that this, when he was cut off out of the land of the living, it wasn't that he had nothing, that he didn't have uh, what he purchased. It's not referring to redemption. It's not referring to our salvation. See? But what is it? He had nothing. He had no kingdom. See, see the all of these kings that were to come, these uh, uh, other one kingdom follow another. Now notice that when the Messiah comes, why, this stone that's going to strike the image, why, all these kingdoms are going to be done away with. And the stone becomes a great mountain and fills the whole earth. But now, when Jesus was crucified, you see, he had nothing. He had no kingdom. The Romans, he didn't conquer the kingdom. He didn't conquer the Romans. The civilizations before him didn't fly away and disappear in the in the wind as dust. It was the Romans that put him to the, uh, from the outward standpoint, the earthly standpoint. It was the Romans that crucified him together with the Jews. See, and yet. When we come on the spiritual standpoint, uh, then it was our sins. He was dying for our sins, see. So, uh, but now, so Daniel, Daniel is not talking about redemption. Uh, uh, and that's it. If he shall have nothing is the correct uh, interpretation. And, and uh, most uh, Hebrew scholars say that's what it means. Well, uh, but we do know that whatever he, he made an end to sins for his people on the cross. We know that. We know that he brought in reconciliation to his people, see, from that standpoint. And imputed righteousness comes through him. Alright? And, uh, uh, so, and that righteousness will be forever, will be everlasting. But now the point is, uh, is that the message that Daniel is telling us, or is he going to tell us what's determined upon Jerusalem and upon thy people, the Jews? See, see, there, there, there's the, one of the, uh, that's the heart of the matter of this prophecy. That's what divides amillennialists and premillennialists. And postmillennialists, what, that's the great, one of the, one of the great points. Now, but let's go a little further. Uh, and the people of the prince that shall come. Now, uh, this prince that shall come is, is the little horn of Daniel 7, not Daniel 8. See, Daniel 8, the little horn comes up out of the Grecian Empire, see, uh, comes out of Syria, one of the kings into which Alexander's power kingdom had was divided into four, and out of one of those four, see, which was the Syrian Antiochus Epiphanes came. Well, that's uh, that's uh, in chapter uh, chapter eight, uh, and, but now chapter seven is a little horn. That's talked about here. 
this little, uh, this man, this person, this prince that shall come is going, will be the little horn of chapter 7. It's the beast, first beast, uh, in Revelation 13. But now notice, now the little horn, this, uh, this beast, this, uh, 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 this prince does not destroy Jerusalem. He does not come against the sanctuary. Now notice, he says, uh, uh, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Not the prince, but the people of the prince. Well, what verse you in? This, I, I'm in verse 26. Mm-hmm. See? Yeah. And the prince shall come, uh, and, and the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now then, we've got two things uh, uh, prophesied here so far distinctly, clearly. The first thing is the coming, uh, is the crucifixion of Christ. The cutting off of Christ. That's the first thing uh, told. After three score, see, after three score and two weeks. The first thing after the 483 years. The first thing that occurs after the 69 weeks is the crucifixion of Christ. The next thing that's referred to here is somebody, a people, somebody has come against Jerusalem and destroyed the temple and the sanctuary. See? shall destroy this city and this sanctuary. Now, that was 70 A.D. That was when Titus, the Romans, came against Jerusalem. We're, we're on historical ground here. We're, the, the fact that Christ died, that's history. That's a historical fact. See? Now, but when you say that Christ died for our sins, that's not a historical fact. You can't prove that by history. See? The Bible says that Christ died for our sins. We know that to be true from an experimental standpoint. But you can't prove that Christ was died on the cross uh, for our sin. Yeah, that's in the realm of faith. That's in the realm of, uh, of spirituality. That's The natural man can't understand that, see. How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Now, the fact that Christ died, that's a historical fact. That can be proved. There was witnesses, see? But how that Christ died for our sins, see? Now, that's not subject to proof of history. Now, so here, the first thing is, after the 400, I don't know, maybe just a minute, maybe a day, half a day, part of a day, don't know when it was. Uh, but uh, after the 69 week, first thing that's mentioned in this uh, scripture is the destruction of Jerusalem, which occurred in 70 ADs or 40 years, almost 40 years after Jesus went back to heaven. So we've got a 40 year pan, 40 years between these two statements taking place in history. Now notice. 
and the end thereof shall be with a flood. The end of what? The end of the world? The end of the Jews? Amalekah says this end is the end of all Jewish hopes and aspirations. Historically, handwriting's on the wall. They're found wanting. They're out. No longer. And all that have that uh, uh, that attitude and that understanding of the scriptures, you'll find them all on the side of Arabs today with a squabble between Israel and Egypt. See? You you won't find an Amalekites that'll take up for, for Israel or can see that God has a plan and that God is controlling these events uh, favorably to Israel. Uh, but now, but uh, but regardless uh, of that part, the prince that shall now unto and unto the end shall be with a flood. Now who's in? Christ? No. Antichrist? This beast? Maybe. Uh, the according to uh, the Hebrew scholars, they say that it can refer to him as well as to the vision. And if is if so, then uh the prince that shall come, see, this prince that shall come, his end will be with a flood. In other words, uh, the Lord is uh going to wipe him out, just like he did uh, uh Antiochus Epiphanes, who came against Jerusalem and polluted it. See? God uh, miraculously uh, brought his downfall. Now, it says, uh, and, and I think that's, I think that's what it's talking about. Uh, but the English, uh, King James translation would thank you that the end refers to the city and the sanctuary, see? And the end thereof. The people of the prince shall come, shall destroy their city and the sanctuary, and the end with the, in the flood, see. In other words, the end in a holocaust, a calamity of the city and the sanctuary. That that seems to be what King James is telling. But if the Hebrew tells us that it may refer to uh, uh, equally as well to the to the prince that shall come, let's read it now like that. Thereof shall be with the flood and unto the end. Now wait a minute. Here's another end. On uh, unto the end. Of the war, desolations are determined. Now, that's not as clear as the uh, as it should be, uh, as the Hebrew is, until the until the end. Wars, desolations are determined unto the end. Now, here we have. Uh, he tells us about the end of the Antichrist, uh, end of the. Uh, end of Jerusalem tells about the downfall of Jerusalem, the overrunning by Titus, and the sanctuary, it's destroyed, still destroyed, they haven't erected it yet, 
or if they ever do, but it's they're not in existence and hadn't been since 70 A.D. All right. Then if this tells us about his end, the end of the Antichrist, the end of the emperor, the end of this beast, Revelation 13, 1, if we have his end pictured here as the prince that shall come, and then enumerating another item, and unto the end, unto the end of the age, unto the end of the vision, of all that's forecast here, of, of the things that's, that's predicted, unto the end of this series of things enumerated, shall are determined wars and desolation. And that's what Jesus said in uh, Matthew 24. Uh, wars, rumors of wars, but the end is not yet. See, Jesus kept telling, and the end is not yet, but wars and rumors of wars shall be unto the end. Don't you see? Then Daniel harmonizes with the statement that Jesus made right in... Jesus talked about the abomination of desolation, didn't he? Jesus talked about the wars and rumors of war. Jesus talked about the destruction of Jerusalem. All right? Now, and unto the end, why will there be wars uh, and rumors of war? In other words, why can he predict it? Because they're determined, they're decreed. That's a word for decreed, that's predestinated. That's God's uh, business. That's the reason why I say that uh, nobody but a primitive Baptist, a man who believes in primitive Baptist doctrine, can actually believe what Daniel has said here. And yet, of all people, solidly as a block, they, do, they, they don't believe one word of it. They believe the Jews over. All right, now look. Uh, and he, verse 27. Now, who, what's the subject of this? Uh, they get a lot of people, uh, in order to fit theology, will interpret the subject of this uh, verse, the weak, and the weak shall confirm a covenant. The week itself, the week appeared, now we're going to talk about that last week. See? But now wait a minute, what's happened? We've disjointed this week from the 69 weeks. After the 69th week, he talks about Jesus being put to death. See? And then he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem. And then he brings in the prince that shall come. This beast of Revelation. This little horn of Daniel said. This mighty, mighty prince. This king of fierce countenance. Alright. Uh, it talks about him. And then unto the end shall be wars, desolation, tribulation, to the finally. Now then, and he shall confirm the covenant. When? Alright, with many for one week. Uh, when does this 70th week begin to operate? Or has it been fulfilled? Uh, the Amillennialist says it's been fulfilled, all of it. It's been fulfilled in the past. Post-Millennialist says it's been fulfilled, all of it. It's already, it's all gone. It was fulfilled 
the day that Titus went into Jerusalem as victor, conquered And that's the end. That's the termination of the scope of this vision. But now, uh, he, whoever he is, and the he is got to refer to the prince that shall come in verse 26. See? Because that's the last person you've been, you've been talking about. He's the, he's the one. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now, if this prince, if the he is Christ, he's going to confirm a covenant with many for one week. Well, now that, you can't get that over in the realm of uh, what we were speaking of a while ago when I said when you look at the cross you see uh, you see a, a, either a tragedy or a triumph. When we look at it, we see a triumph as children of God, see. All right. Well, now, when you look at, uh, uh, he shall confirm a covenant for one week. Because, uh, the covenant of grace is an everlasting covenant. Not for seven years. And from everlasting. Eternal. God loved his people, uh, with an everlasting love. See? And he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. This is not something that has uh, had to be inaugurated or brought into force uh, in the time of, of Christ while it was upon the earth. What the Lord was doing, he was obedient unto them. The Lord was uh, actually uh, paying the, 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 the debt, the price for our sin. Now, but here he shall confirm the covenant uh, for one week. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause a sacrifice and the oblation to cease. Now, if this causing the sacrifice, uh, you see, the, uh, uh, the, the amillennial, postmillennial theory is that, now this is Christ in the middle of this 70th week. See that the 70 weeks run consecutively. One right after the other. One day, one year, one year, day, day, immediately. See? Alright? And therefore, that Christ now was a person that caused the sacrifice, that is, put an end to Old Testament sacrifice. Now certainly Christ put an end to Old Testament sacrifice. No question about that. For by one sacrifice, he, uh, see, he forever, once for all, and having purged our sins when he, by himself purged our sin. And uh, the whole letter to the Hebrews uh, explains the fact that uh, what he did and uh, and the thing that he did uh, was done one time and once never to be repeated as was necessary with the calves and the bulls and the goats, see, in presenting offering. For he offered himself and obtained eternal redemption. Now that's that's uh, that's under that's the person that believes the Bible. He's got to believe that. But now, is that what he's talking about here? Though, is that the subject here? Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and the holy city. See, 
Daniel was praying, asking forgiveness for his sins and for the sin of his of his nation. It's for we have sinned, we have sinned, we have sinned is over and over in his prayer. See, all right. Uh, now, in the New Testament, uh, in the Book of Revelation, you read about three and a half years. You read about 42 months, 1260 days. You, uh, uh, times, times, and dividing of time. Times, one year, times, two years, and dividing of a time is half a year, three and a half years. You'll read about this period of time, whatever it means. You read about it in Daniel, you read about it in, in Revelation. And you read about something that's done in the middle of that period of time. Here, uh, he's going to confirm the covenant. He'll make a covenant with one week. But you read about someone breaking that covenant in one week. You read about, uh, uh, about the, uh, uh, the desolation. You read about uh, a tribulation. You talk about uh, something, uh, when you study the book of Revelation, you find about the judgments from chapter 8 through 16. You read about uh, uh, the the wrath of God and the judgments of God upon the earth. Now, he says, uh, uh, and for the overspreading, now the word overspreading there is wings. It's a picture of the wings. For the overspreading, for the extension. And uh, it, the word is also means pinnacle, and uh, so for the uh, for the overspreading of abomination, he shall make it desolate. All right. Uh, now, see, Jesus said, "When ye see the desolation, the abomination of desolation." Spoken of by Daniel the prophet. Daniel was prophesying. See, when he, when he spoke of the desolation, abomination of desolation. Alright, now, if this was fulfilled in, a, in Antiochus Epiphanes, or if this was fulfilled by Titus, the Romans, when the Romans invaded Jerusalem, See, and destroyed the temple and the sanctuary. If that was the abomination, then uh, then it doesn't. Uh, then it ends with the destruction of Jerusalem. But Jesus goes on and and tells you about uh, that when you see it, then that's when the tribulation begins. That's when the that's when the time. Look. Look at 20, Matthew 24, uh, and verse 15 tells you when, and then uh, you want to know the, the time sequence, it's uh, then, uh, down in verse 21. When, therefore, uh, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. Then, and then come on down to 21, for then shall be great tribulation, 
such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time no, nor ever shall be. All right? So, we've at least got the tribulation, the abomination of desolation, and we're going to read more about the abomination of desolation. This will be, uh, I think, cleared up uh, a little more. I mean, it'll pinpoint. It'll tell us what it is. the uh, the expression occurs several times in the book of Daniel. What desolation? Which one? Daniel speaks of more than one instant of abomination of desolation. Now, back in his prayer, uh, he tells about uh, that our land, uh, our the the city that Jerusalem was destroyed. It lied desolate. Well, he wasn't talking about that desolation. See? Desolation of the city, desolation of Jerusalem. But he's going to talk about the desolation of a temple. And, and that's what Antiochus, see? Now, Antiochus came in, and brother, that was what he did. He desolated. He was, uh, he desecrated. He, uh, caused everything that the Jew thought was holy. Why? Yeah. Well, that, 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 we'll we'll stop there until uh, next week. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.